It'll be, it'll be good. So be praying for us. And you guys are going to be going through the book of Judges. So that's kind of a warm, fuzzy book to be going through for the, for the book. If you've read this, I'm telling you what, um, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting read when you look at the book of Judges. And so it's, but, but also, hey, it's in there for a reason. And, and that's what we're going to unpack today. So my goal today, my goal today is to introduce uh, the book of Judges to kind of lay a platform in which we can kind of operate from from here on out. So we got some baseline themes that we're Gonna, that I'm gonna, that we're gonna bring up some some reoccurring stuff that, that keeps happening all the way through it, and just kind of some a general foundation that we can kind of build the rest of the weeks on. And so uh, I'm excited for it. And so so uh, well, but 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 I want to start here. So I'm uh, I'm part of uh, Generation X, Gen X. So we were we were slackers, right? We were, we were born in like 70s ish, grew up kind of in the 80s ish. Uh, so, and, and one of the one of the the interesting parts of our generation is well, we're the last generation to w- grow up without the the kind of technology and the computers and the personal devices. You know, when the light, or the street light came on, that's when it was time to come home, and that's you know kind of how it was. We played played in the yard. We were outside, which is a weird concept these days. But um, but you know, having a screen, having screen time was like weird because the screen was tiny. And it was, you know, far away, and there was really nothing to watch on the screen. But, you know, who knows what? Um, but, it, but it, well, one of the fun things about the generations, we we got to grow up with the, what we call reality television these days. We've seen the advent of it, and then got to go up with it, which is not—it's not a good thing because reality television is the worst. But what was great about when I first started, I remember watching The Real World. I remember watching Road Rules. I didn't have cable. You know, but my friend did. He had the cable box, had the slider that you could like, you know, someone had to sit there by it and just flip the channel. You know what I'm talking about. It's like a brown box. Anyway, we watched, we watched uh, the real world. I remember, I remember for the first time, I'm just like looking and, and watching people kind of just live. And, and, you know, they're just unscripted, maybe unscripted, I don't know. It's not unscripted now. They got like writers for reality shows now, which is a weird concept. But, uh, but back then, I remember just like having that weird I'm just watching them live their lives, and then me and my buddy was would just like make fun of them, and like we just we just like all the dumb stuff they'd say or do, and we're just judging them hardcore because we're just seeing them just live in their lives and just the craziness that goes on with those kind of reality shows, those kind of situations. And there's there was something really alluring about the idea that I could you know that I can sit back and just just start judging people hardcore by the you know fr- from a distance. There's something about that. That is, uh, that, that's, that, that, you know, some of us may be like, you know, oh, it's kind of exciting. But yet, if the script was flipped, right, and people are just watching me, I'm be like, hey, pump the brakes, man. Like, like don't, don't, judge, don't judge me. I'm going to do what I want to do. Like, don't, you know, don't worry about it. And there's this weird thing where all of a sudden when it turns, it's like, let's stop doing that. We need, we need to stop now. I can do that with other people. That's fine because I'm just different, you know, but you can't do it with me because that's, you know, not okay. And, and there's this in us is that idea of like, we don't want to be judged, but for whatever reason, we, we sometimes just get a, you know, feel as a free pass to, to cast judgment, which is kind of a, a, an interesting part of humanity there. But we're, we're, we're inferring by judging other people that there is a need for Interference. There's a need for something to intervene and engage with whatever problem uh, is is going on. That's that's kind of what is assumed is that you can't make the good decisions on your own. So you got to get somebody else come here to make them for you because your life's a mess. That's kind of what a little bit of that judging feeling is. Now now here's the problem though. The what we're going to look at the Israelites. They needed 
a judge because on their own was not good. They were not doing well when left to their own devices. And so we're gonna, we're gonna look at that a little bit. I'm like, what, what's the deal with this judges? This is the only period in history where you find a group of judges that is, is, exists. We have kings later on. We have, you know, all the governors, things like that, but we, but we only have really like judges for a little, a little bit of time. So I wanna kind of talk about what, why, and, and, and where that comes from. So, so here's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some themes to the, that happened in the book of Judges. The first theme that I wanna give you, which if you've been in the book of Judges, you know that this is kind of it. This is, this is the theme for the whole thing. This is the phrase, you say, you say this verse and people know, oh, we're talking about the book of Judges, okay? Here's, happens four times in the book. There was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Shows up four times, that exact phrase happens in the book of Judges. In chapter 17, 18, 19, 21. In fact, it's like the last thing you come across in the book of Judges is that there was no king in Israel and everybody did what is right in their own eyes. That, I'm sure, is a concept that is really difficult for us to grasp. Like, what would it look like to live in a society where people just did what they wanted to and didn't have a moral authority to guide every decision that they make, right? I, I'm asking you to stretch your imaginations a little bit. <laughs> Just kidding. It's fairly obvious. And honestly, it's been obvious for humanity because we're sinners and need of sin. We like to do what we want to do, and it doesn't always match up with what God wants. In fact, often it doesn't. But we see this. This is the overarching theme. This is the preface for everything, that there wasn't a king there, and everyone just kind of did what they wanted to. That's, that's kind of the, the general theme that we come from. And, and what we can get actually from that phrase is if we can pull a couple stuff, a couple things out of it. One is there's a reference point for a king, right? There was no king there. So in other words, whoever's writing that thing knows is coming from a place where maybe there, there actually was a king. And so most scholars agree that Samuel who comes at the end is the one who wrote this book. And so you actually read about Samuel in, well, First and Second Samuel, but also you get, you get some other, uh, read about him in some of the other books as well. And he is, is most likely writing this thing, talking about this period of time that was, that was after Joshua, before the king set in, and it was about 390 years or so of this period of the judges. And so just to kind of get you a, a, little, a little backstory on how they got to the moment they did, because it's the seventh book in the Bible, right? You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. So we're on book number seven here. So we're kind of, kind of early on in it, but, but here's where, we, where the story starts really is in Genesis with Abraham, Abraham and God. And God tells Abraham, he says, he says you're going to be a great nation. You're gonna be set apart. You're gonna go over to this land. This is the land where you guys are gonna have it and you're gonna, you're gonna live differently and show how good God is. You're, you're my people. And, and, and God makes covenants with them. And, and it's like, I'll, you know, I'll, I will be with you. And then Exodus happens. Moses takes the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt and starts heading to the promised land. And it's like, we're gonna go here, but through a series of events and rebellions and whatnot, they end up spending 40 years wandering in Moses. He sees the promised land, but then it's his predecessor, Joshua, who then actually gets to go into the promised land and he's pushing out the you know, pagans and all the, you know, there's idol worship and there's child sacrifice and all sorts of craziness that's happening. And Joshua's job is to push them all out because this is the land that God has set apart for the Israelites, but there's a problem in that he dies. 
Now he dies at an old age, but he still dies and there's no clear predecessor. There's nobody there to kind of take over for him. So we, Joshua 1.1, or Joshua, sorry, Judges 1.1 starts with this. It says, after the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked God, who of us is to go first against the Canaanites? In other words, okay, who, who's going to keep this thing going? Who's going to, who, who? They don't know. They don't know. They're not sure who it is. Uh, and, and, and so they're, they're asking God for direction because they don't, they don't have it. That must have been, you know, kind of a daunting task because you have all the, all the tribes of Israel are all there and they're all kind of like, who's going to take it? You're going to take it. I'm going to take it. We don't know who's going to take it. And then, and then they, they are this, this, this transition point. And so, and so God gives some direction and, and immediately they, they don't follow directions and, and don't push out the, I guess I'd say like the bad influence of the folks who were practicing, you know, child sacrifice, uh, worshiping multiple idols, all this kind of stuff. They don't push them out and end up adopting this pagan worship into their own they're, they're bringing it right into what, what, what God had taught them in the old law. So they, already from the get-go, they are just doing their own thing. And it's at that point that God says, okay, I'm sending you a judge. You're gonna have a judge. These are the ones who are gonna take over. These are the ones who are gonna, are gonna guide you, direct you. They're gonna take you in there. And there's 12 of them. So we have 12 judges. I'm, I, and, and this summer, we're gonna kind of unpack them. Some of them are, are famous. I'll say famous because you know them. You know, Samson, right? He's, he's you know, a strong guy, has the hair. Just for the record, hair doesn't make you strong. <laughs> there was a study shown that uh, bald men are looked at as stronger than hair men. I just took it in my mind. So that was the, <laughs> that was the poll. Uh, but we have Samson. He had the hair, the whole hair thing. So that was like, you know, we know about him. You know, Deborah is one that, that you've heard about. Uh, Gideon with the fleece. That's another judge that kind of is, uh, you know, infamous. But, you know, Shamgar doesn't get a, a much, uh, doesn't get much press. But we know there's Ahu, there's Othanel. There's, I'm not even I'm saying these right, Jephthah. Um, there's uh, Tola, J.R., Ibzon, Elon, and Adon. I mean, some of these guys you don't really know about. There's not much written about. But there's 30, 390 years of, these, of the judges ruling. Now, here's the thing. You think like, okay, if this is a judge, you know, there's qualifications that you have to be a judge here, right? You got to have, you got to kind of know some things or be appointed and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, God just kind of, he, he appointed judges and gave them, some had some special gifting, some had influence or whatever, and got to put them in this position. But what we find very, very quickly is these judges were not, uh, not the best of the best. They weren't the holiest of the holy. In fact, many of them were, were fairly, um, fairly dysfunctional. To say, to, to say it lightly. Um, and it, it really is an interesting, an interesting read to look at this and you're thinking to yourself, okay, why, why is this even in here? You're gonna ask that a lot if you read this book and we'll talk about it today too. Uh, but we get, the, we get this, this theme of, of, or this underlining of, okay, God saw the need for these judges. There's a period of time, there's no king. I'm gonna put these judges in place. They're gonna kind of guide and direct in, in, uh, Israel. Another theme that we're going to see that goes kind of right along with this is, is this, and this is, this is true for us today, so I want you to, to, to pay attention to this. It says that God tirelessly offers his grace to people who don't deserve it. 
Thank the Lord that he does. But God, in the book of Judges, we see it over and over, that he, that he relentlessly, that he tirelessly offers his grace over and over and over again. And the people that he's offering it to do not deserve it. Just as if I'm a sinner, I don't deserve it either, right? But you're reading about these people and you're seeing, okay, there's some real, there's some real kind of dysfunction here. Um, you know, why would God do this? Because one of the, one of the things we're gonna see and if you've studied this at all, you know that there's, there's a, what's called a sin cycle that, that we're, we're going to talk about here. But what, what happens is they, they get caught in this, in this kind of, um, we're calling it a cycle, but it's just this pattern of, 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 uh, of, of sin that just circles and circles and circles. And it, you'll, you'll see it laid out in the first three chapters, and then it's just repeated over and over and over again. You have the first thing you have is Israel falls into idolatry. They sin, they get into idolatry. So you, 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 that's, that's, like, that's step one of the cycle. See it over and over and over again. Second step is uh, then Israel is enslaved and oppressed after they end up rebelling against God. So you got, you got them, you know, the result of them taking on these eyes, okay, oppression and, uh, and, and enslavement. Uh, then when they're, you know, down and out, where they don't have anything, where they don't have any ways out, they repent. They look to God, God, we're sorry, we won't do it again, you know, deliver us. You know, God hears their prayers. He delivers them. So God raises up a judge. A judge will come because God hears the cries and the judge we raised up and then the the judge will deliver them from from their, uh, whatever predicament they're in. So they're delivered. And then they serve God. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us. We are, we, are, we are so thankful you heard our prayers. And then the very next step is, you guessed it, they fall into sin and idolatry. And it repeats over and over and over and over again. I got bad news. The sin cycle is not exclusively a, a judge's phenomenon. Some of you may be looking up there and be thinking like, mm, yeah, I'm in that cycle. Or some of you may be thinking like, yeah, I kind of been there or I am there, or I feel like I'm just stuck and I can't get out and I have good moments and I have these, that's me going around that circle. And, that, and the, the, the truth is that many of us find ourselves in that same circle. Now, it's easy when we read about people, when we read these things, to think, man, they're so ridiculous and they're so dumb, I can't believe they would fall into that. But thank God my life is not a reality show where people can just watch every moment because they would say the exact same thing. And I'm sure they'd say the exact same thing possibly if they watched you as well. We are sinners in need of a savior. But there's a difference in this, in this, in, in this book. And there's, there's a difference that, that even though the judges were there and they were, they, they were at the time, they still were, were, were caught. Even the judges were caught in that cycle. Even the best of them, Deborah and Gideon, had some wonderful moments of deliverance, but still ultimately fell short. They ultimately fell short. And, and, and thank God our hope is not in man. Our hope is in God. Here's another theme that we're, that, that we're gonna run into here that we're gonna see often, and this is true for our lives too, is this, that following righteous leadership yields righteous results while, fellowship, uh, while selfish pursuits lead to sin. So when, when you see in the Israelites, when they're following a judge who's being led by God and doing the things that they should do, when, you, when we run across that, you see, you see that, they, that they then live righteously. 
that they then are, are able to, to do as well when they're led by, by, by righteous, but also when they're just being selfish and following their own pursuit, it is sin and it leads down that path and that cycle again and it just leads them into a dark, dark place. So, that, so when they're following the righteous leadership, it yields righteous results with selfish pursuits lead to sin. When, you, when, when, when I read this book, when I, when, I, when I read this book, I just, full disclosure, there's just things that pop up that just, I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like, this is hard to, to digest. There are some questions that I have. And there's questions that, that when I'm sitting before God, if I'm gonna care still about this then, that I wanna ask God, like, okay, what is with this? What, like, why this, why that? And this book brings those things up. And the first thing that would like, just for me personally, when I read this thing, I think, okay, is God like endorsing like cruelty? Is he is he endorsing murder? Like there's so much destruction and and cruelty in this. Like what what on earth? Like why is there so much of this in this 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 book? And I'm thinking, okay, like there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason, and there is. Also, there, there's a tension that comes up that I'm feeling. There's a tension that I'm feeling, which is okay. Is God's love conditional? Because, because I read in here that, okay, when they're doing this, when they're doing the right stuff, God's like blessing them. And when they're not, like, like they're just, they're just go straight to destruction. It's like, okay, so is God gonna like, am I gonna, as long as I'm loving him and doing what he wants, like good things will happen. If, I, if I'm not, then bad things, like there's this tension there between grace and the law. Like, is there, is there, or is there a law? And there's a tension there that is felt when you read through that. And, the bad news is that you're going to feel that tension all through the Old Testament. The good news is that the New Testament solves that tension in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the purpose. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is the purpose. When I look at this thing and I think, okay, why is the book of Judges exist? Why, why is all this kind of uh, messy life, this destruction, this you know, murder and killing and all this, you know, why is that in here? And, and I think it, it's to point us to the gospel. Because left to our own devices, you and I, you and I, as good a people as, as we may be right now, left to our own, without God, we, we without a doubt turn to our sin nature. We turn to sin, we turn, we just, without fail. It is only through God's goodness that we can have that deliverance and, how, and that we can break that, that cycle. So there's a, there's a tension that we feel there, but, but when we look at it as in, okay, this is, this is to show how, the gospel, and this is to show how good God is and how much we're in need of a savior and we need someone to go before us who can be the, the, the perfect example, who can be a righteous judge, who can, because I can't, the judges in here absolutely cannot, and so what do we need? And we need a savior. That's what we need. We need Jesus. So this whole summer should be pointing to Jesus. We should be encouraged on how we can grow in our faith, and our walk, and there's things that you're going to be challenged with that you're going to say, like, okay, I need to start doing this, or I need to stop doing that. And hopefully, as we look at this whole book, as we look at the dysfunction, as we look at the good things, we're going to be challenged with that. Because God has made this covenant. God has made the covenant with his people that he will fulfill it. Even if we're unfaithful, he will fulfill it. Let's look at Judges 2 here. Judges 2, read a couple of verses, verses 1 and 2. Say this. 
this kind of encapsulates the, the relationship here with the, the people in God. It says, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I brought you up out of Egypt. I led you into the land. I swore I'd give your ancestors. And I, I said, I will never break my covenant. And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? That's us in a nutshell. God's like, I've taken you so far. I've delivered you. I've delivered you from slavery. I've done miracle after miracle after miracle. They've heard the stories of their answers and how, and how they were delivered. And, and God gave clear directions on what they're supposed to do. And what do they do? They go back to sin. They go back to sin. I, I, I found one of the, kind of one of the foremost theologians slash scholars. He wrote a whole uh, commentary on Judges. He, he, he had this to say about the book of Judges. He says this, the book of Judges is about faithless people and a faithful God. The story of the Israelites in the period of the Judges is our story too. Like, just think about that last part there. The, sto- the, the story of the Israelites, it's our story. It's my story because, because I, I, I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And as much as I want to just, just say that once I said, you know, Jesus, I'm following you, that I've, I have not sinned and, and done some bonehead moves, you know, in my past, like I have. I still need Jesus. I still need that. And you may be in the same place where you, you read that, like, it's our story too. Like, it is. It is our story. We, we need this. And, and, and that sin cycle that we mentioned, like I said, it's not just for judges. You may be thinking right now what that is in your life. See, a sin cycle sometimes looks like, hey, my, uh, my, 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 my grandfather would, you know, treat my grandma this way. And so my dad then treated, you know, his wife that way. And then I then, you know, will treat my wife that way. So it's just, I mean, it's just like this generational like sin and all that, you know. And so that's what, what it could look like. Like you just saw this, you had this upbringing that was not good, you had an upbringing that was not God-honoring, and you had dysfunction in your family that seems to have gone on for, for generation after generation. But, but I'm telling you right now, this, it, it, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility to break that cycle now. Because who's gonna do it if you don't? Who's gonna do it if you don't? It, it, you can't just say, this is just how it's always been. This, this, this cycle of sin that just goes on, you know, oh well, it's just kind of life. It's just kind of a cycle that I'll go through. See, I, see, I don't think that's where, where God wants us to stay. Galatians 5 says this. Galatians 5 says, and this is talking about the tension that we're gonna feel with, with that, that flesh and the spirit. It says, so I say, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're at conflict with each other, so that you don't, do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's the tension that we're talking about here, right? The, the, the sin nature, sin nature versus being led by the Spirit. When we're only on this, our, our sin nature, our, any feeling that I have, I act on. Any like fleshly desire, I just go, I, I, I'll, I'll just go after. There's no, nothing's holding back. Nothing's, nothing's uh, stopping you. And that is anti-spirit. The spirit does not lead us. The spirit
Spirit does not lead us to sin. The Spirit delivers us from sin. It keeps us from it. The temptation may show up. That doesn't mean our temptations have gone away. We may still feel that same temptation we used to have, but because we're walking in the Spirit, we now can just keep on walking in the Spirit and we don't have to look back at it. And when I say walking in the Spirit, I mean we're, we're reading the, God's Word. We're, we know what God wants for our lives, and guess what? We actually start doing it. We start, we start living that way. We start acting that way. We, we, we love and embrace the things that, that, that God loves, and we reject the things that God says are going to be harmful for us. And we, start, we recognize that I need Jesus, and I need this in my life, and I start one step at a time. I start working towards that because, because when it comes to the cycle, I so don't want to pass this on to my kids. I so don't want anybody around me to be dealing with the same, the same stuff that, that, that I've dealt with, so I'm going to, with God's help, break that cycle. And I've said it, I'll say it again, that the cycle, if you're in a sin cycle right now, it may not be your fault. It may be your fault. It may not be your fault, but it's your responsibility with God's help to break it. Sometimes it's, 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 life just is not fair. You've been dealt a hand that, that just is, is not something that I, I could not understand or something that, that, that is, is, is real heavy. But, but even though it's not your fault, with God's help, you still can break that cycle. See, the difference that we have, the thing that we got now that, that they didn't have the judges is we have a king. We have a king. We have a model. We have Jesus. In Revelation 19, 16, Jesus described, this isn't the only place, it's just one of the places, where it said in his robe, and his robe on his, on his thigh, and he was written his name, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You and I, we, it can be said that though, you know, in those days, people did what was right in their own eyes, but we do have a king. And we do have an example. We do have righteous leadership that you and I can look to where we can, we can say, okay, I'm going to follow this, this righteous Man, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to follow him, and, and, and then I will be able to know, I know what righteousness looks like. I know what living right looks like because of him. And I can break this cycle of sin that's been going around and around and around be, with Jesus' help. You're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough strong will. I'm not smart enough. I don't have a strong will. We need Jesus to come alongside us and help us, because that's the problem, is we can't do it on our own. So stop trying to do it on your own. We need Jesus to be a part of that. You need other men and women to be a part of it. How cool is it to hear that testimony, hear Katie talk about the ladies at her table. The ladies at her table, good job, ladies, you're the best. It's just so encouraging to hear the body of Christ working the way it's supposed to. And even though they're special ladies, they're, they're just people like you and me, right? But they've agreed to meet and, and talk about things from God, talk about life, encourage each other. Like we need men and women in our life that we're being intentional with to help us. I, I, I love hearing that story and I love hearing them talk about the, the, the strength that comes from being with others that are, that are one single-minded, helping us grow in our walk with God. Beautiful. Here, here's what I want you to get. If... if Nothing else has passed you by and you've been zoning out since, thinking about summer, zone back in for just a little bit. This is it. This is it right here. Is, is, is that the cycle of sin is broken when we make Jesus our king. 
The cycle of sin is broken when we make Jesus our king. When we make Jesus our king, that means I'm gonna live the way he wants me to live. I'm gonna follow his, his, his laws, not because, not because of anything other than what he did for me, that he loves me, and I wanna live my life as a response to that. That's called worship. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says this. Oftentimes we stop with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but this is a whole, this is a whole in context, this is a whole good group of verses here. It says this. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And this goes right along with it. Verse 10 here. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. There's a couple things here I want you guys to walk away with. One is that it is, it is by the grace of God that you and I are saved. You can't, you're not good enough. You don't, you don't have enough money in the bank. You don't have enough degrees to earn it. You don't have enough, you know, sparkle points. I don't know what you want to call it. Like, we're not good enough. Say, it's a gift from God because if it wasn't a gift from God, I could say how awesome I am because guess what I earned today? Heaven. Because I'm great. That's not happening. It's a gift from God. And I like the second part here. It's so important because it's not just enough to be saved. See, the, 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 that may be where it started. Hey, I don't want to go to hell. That sounds terrible. Or, or, or I want to be in heaven forever. That sounds great. And that's a, that's a great place to start. That's a wonderful thing to, to be and a, and a good place to start. I mean, you know, it's, family members, that's where it started is, is with that, you know, kind of that, that fear of God thing, but it doesn't end there. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do things that point back to God. You have a purpose. You're not just supposed to get in. It's not good enough to get in. Like, it's great that to get in, but also God's got a plan for you. He's got, he's got stuff for you to do. He's got, he's got, wants you to shine your light bright all over this town, everywhere you go. And so people look at you and say, how good is God? Look what, look, I mean, these, these, they're, they're living examples of, of God's goodness. They don't look at us and say, well, you're, Andy, you're awesome. You're great. You're a good dude. No, no, I, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter because they'll change their mind in five minutes, right? That's just kind of how it is. But if, if as, as Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven, that's the purpose. So not only are we saved by grace, in faith alone, by grace alone, but we are saved, but we also have a purpose to do good works. We are created to do good works for God, not for us, but, but for God. I want the worship team is going to come out here and we're going to kind of end on this. Uh, I want you to think about a couple of things. Think about a couple. The first thing I want you to think about and ponder is, is are you in that sin cycle? Are you stuck in it? Stuck in the loop? Just kind of skipping over and over and over? And I want you to be praying about, Lord, put people in your life, give you the strength to, to come before God and with Jesus' help to break that cycle. That's why, that, that, that's why we're here. The church, we want to support each other. It may be, may mean you start, start attending women's Bible study or men's Bible study. You start meeting with other, other people to, in, with the intention to engage. So I want you to be thinking about that. Also, I want you to think about what, what kind of, what things can, can God have for you? If you're already in that, you don't feel like you're necessarily caught in sin cycle, what can you be doing? We're about ready. We're going we're gonna to close with a, with a popular song that we, that, that, that you probably know 
all about God's grace and how amazing that is. And I want you to think as you're singing the song, where are you? Are you in a spot where you need God's grace to break that cycle? Or are you in a place where you need God's grace to help you share that love with others in your life? Will you stand with me while I close in prayer? Lord Jesus, we are sinners in need of a savior. God, we, we on our own will just fail and, and, and fail. And, and God, we are just not, we're not enough, Lord, but you are. God, I pray for those stuck in the sin cycle this morning that you would, you would help them break that cycle, Lord, that you would enter their life and they would break that cycle and you would intervene in a big way. And I also want, Lord, to, to, for you to be speaking to those who, are, um, who just need to show your love to others around them. God, give them the courage to do that as well. God, we, we love you. Lord, you are our king. God, may we live in such a way. We ask this in your name, amen. You see this last?